Has fear and anxiety consumed you? Pastor Ed Taylor offers hope and encouragement next. There's only one thing to do with fear and anxiety, and that's to repent. Otherwise, if you just say, well, I heard your message, Ed, and, and I'm just not going to be fearful anymore, that's not going to be possible. You, you want to learn, you've got to repent from being controlled by fear and anxiety. And, and look to God and say, forgive me, God, for not trusting you with my life. For not trusting the people you put in my life to lead me and guide me, to help me understand how to follow you. Because unless you repent, you'll just keep going in the same pattern, same pattern, same pattern, until ultimately you hurt yourself. This is amazing grace. This past year has been quite a challenge, I'm sure you'd agree, and many have resorted to fear and anxiety. As we're coming out of the pandemic, Pastor Ed Taylor has an important message today on how to face our fears. God wants us to walk by faith and trust in Him. And today's study in Exodus chapter 14 will help us get to that place. Here's Pastor Ed with Abounding Grace. Exodus chapter 14 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Face Your Fears. Face Your Fears. I think we all deal with fears from time to time. Regular, real fear. God has given us the emotion of fear for very good reasons. But there are those times when our fears become irrational. And they become overwhelming. And they become mixed with anxiety. And we start to make really bad decisions because of fear. Because feeling trapped is no fun at all. That feeling where you just think, I'm stuck. I'm not going anywhere. Today, you may feel stuck in your singleness, or stuck in your marriage, or stuck in your unemployment, or stuck in your neighborhood, or stuck in your financial condition, or stuck in your spiritual condition, wherever it might be. You just look at, you're looking at your life today, you're assessing it, looking forward, looking to the left, looking to the right, peeking on over your shoulder, and you're like, man, I just, there's just no way out. There's just no way out. And it is true that we live with a lot of different dangers and hazards and difficulties in life, and it does stir up fear, but it's so easy to be gripped by and paralyzed by irrational fears. Maybe that's you today. You're discouraged. You're overwhelmed. Your current situation is overwhelming because as you try to figure things out, you just don't see any change coming. You don't see any release. There's no way out. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? You're stuck in your head. You're, you're stuck in your own thinking. It, you've been perhaps even isolating yourself and pulling away so that the only input in your life is yourself. Or, or your immediate family, and it's all the same thing, and it's just so discouraging because you're stuck in your head, and you're stuck in a type of thinking that where you're concluding that God isn't available and that God won't help, and it's depleted your hope, and it has sapped your faith, and it has worn you thin, 
even to the point where you have forgotten, you have forgotten most likely a passage of scripture that you memorized and that you've known since you were a youth. You have forgotten Psalm 23, verse 4, where it starts out, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will no evil. So easy to forget. He says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Fear coupled with anxiety, these two emotions can often cause an otherwise rational, logical person to do a lot of irrational, illogical things. And besides all of the other issues and things that are going on in our lives, we're coming out of a very difficult year. Perhaps one of the most difficult And we're living in a culture with all sorts of narratives surrounding the pandemic and restrictions and everyone wanting a piece of your ear and wanting you to follow their opinions. And it's created a lot of irrational fears. What started out, of course, real fear, real concern, perhaps even in a high-risk category of life, has turned into something irrational, isolation, And now we're just waiting. There's some of you are just waiting. Well, you know, we'll know it's okay when they say. What do you mean when they say? It's okay now to walk by faith. God wants you to walk by faith, trusting him with your life. And somehow the whole thing has gotten our eyes off. Well, you know, when I get the vaccination, things will be well. No, trust the Lord. Well, when I have, when I get this kind of where, when they start announcing, no, trust the Lord. It's time to trust the Lord. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We have to understand the fear of man may not just simply be impressing man, but it is the way that man operates. We live in this culture And this culture has a message. And depending on how we receive it or how much of it we receive, we'll get caught up in the current of culture. And the fear of man or trusting in man or looking to man, the Bible says, brings a snare. That word literally means to to impede your progress. That word snare could also be translated dangerous trap in the New Living Translation. It speaks of being entangled, being held back. And it's easy to be entangled and to be held back because that's exactly what a trap will do. When you choose to fear man, it holds you back from God's best in your life. We get caught up in something that keeps us stuck. And it's all rooted in our fearful emotions. So many times our greatest enemy is our self. It's inside of us. In Psalm 119 verse 50, it says, This is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life. And let me just say at the outset, I recognize and acknowledge real fear. I recognize and acknowledge that when it comes to the year we've just come through, or perhaps it's not your biggest issue at all, but there is real fear. And in no way am I minimizing the reality of your medical condition or where you might be. Real fear is real fear. But even with real fear, you want to learn to take that fear to the Lord. You want to learn to saturate this difficult season in your life with prayer. 
to be a man or woman of God's word because fear will absolutely rob you of your faith and trust in God. Fear is not to be nurtured and coddled. It's to be dealt a death blow by believing God and trusting him moment by moment. I found a quote, it's very good. It's by Harry Fosdick and let me quote him. He says, fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, but faith encourages. Fear sickens, faith heals. Fear makes useless, faith makes serviceable. And most of all, fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life while faith rejoices in its God, end quote. Hopelessness. There's no way out. And I have learned over the years that knowing and experiencing and abiding in the love of God casts out all fear. Abiding in Christ, such love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Here in Exodus chapter 14, we have a group of people that have just been miraculously delivered. And when I say a group of people, I mean millions, families, Men, women, boys, girls, babies, grandmas, grandpas. We, we have a nation delivered out of bondage and slavery from the nation of Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh. I mean, get it this way. They have been crying out, crying out, crying. Remember how Paul cried out three times for the thorn in his fresh flesh to be removed? And the answer was no. Well, here we have a nation that's been crying out, crying out, crying out, crying out. And the answer from God was yes. And he raises up a man by the name of Moses. And Moses is sent as a deliverer of God's people. And he stands before Pharaoh, even though he's afraid. And even though he's concerned. And even though he has a speech impediment. All of his weaknesses. He stands in the authority of God. And he looks the leader of the known world in the eye and says, let my people go. And eventually, after the plagues, after the judgments of God, he lets them go. He actually expels them, Pharaoh does. And they're gone. And as they leave Egypt, and you begin to look at how they were led, the route that they took, you could come to the conclusion that God led them into a trap. There were a lot of more convenient ways to leave Egypt than the way that God led them. And they are stuck. As we pick up the story in verse 10, this large nation is stuck. I mean, and think about it. It's just it's millions of people. There, there are, this is a large group of people that are stuck at the Red Sea. So, so they, have, they have traveled. They're excited. They've celebrated. They come to the Red Sea, and they are, it's impassable. And to the left of them and to the right of them are these, what we would call, what they call mountains, but they're more like hills. And, and don't think of the children of Israel just a couple people running away. Like it would, even this amount of people in this room would take a long time to run away as a group, you know? So you can't get to the left or to the right because they're surrounded with mountains, Red Sea in front of you, mountains on either side of you. And when they peek back over their shoulders, the Egyptian army, the best of the best is now coming after them. I think Pharaoh comes to, to the conclusion, you know, I've lost my workforce. This was a bad choice. I should have never let them go. And now he's going to bring them back. Pick up with me in verse 10. Exodus chapter 14. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. 
So they were, and mark these words, very afraid. They were very afraid. Was it okay for them to be very afraid here, church? Yes or no? Of course. This is a natural response. They're stuck. They're trapped. They can't go forward. They can't go to the left or to the right. When they look to go a different way, the Egyptians are after them. They're very afraid. They lift up their eyes, and what do they see? The Egyptians. They're very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. We'll pause there just for a second. Because if you read this section like, you know, with Christianese and a Christian attitude, you might think, wow, they're very afraid. Wow, they cried out to the Lord. That's what they should do. And you might even interpret it like, well, Lord, save us. We trust you. We love you. Everything's going to be fine because they cried out to the Lord. But we're going to read in a moment. I don't think that's what happened. I think they're just desperate. I think, oh no, what's going to happen to us? And there, there is a desperation, if you could think of it, as rolling through the group. And they're just throwing up their hands. And we know that they're upset. How do we know that? Because notice what they said to Moses in verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Seriously? This is what they cried out for day after day after day. And now that they have received their answer to prayer, and it has become rather difficult, they change their minds. And how careful we need to be when we become fearful not to change our minds about who God is. It was not better for them to be in Egypt, ever. It was not better for them to be in the position that they were. It wasn't even God's will as he delivers them. This is the time for them to move on. This is the perfect timing of God. But because of fear or them being very afraid, they turn on their leader and they regret the work of God in their lives. Two things you want to watch out for in your life. And let me just say, if you serve God in any way, you can expect to be treated like Moses is being treated here. They're mad, they're fearful, they're upset, and they complain and murmur to Moses. It's almost like they said, man, who are you? We don't want you anyway. What kind of leader are you? Give us someone. We want to go back to Egypt. How could you do this to us? It's all your fault. And unfortunately, poor Moses, this is going to be the rest of his life until he dies to be with God himself. He's gonna deal with the murmuring and complaining of this group because this becomes a pattern in their life. I wonder if it's a pattern in your life too to murmur and complain about things that God has obviously allowed in your life and to be upset because things aren't going the way you want them to go or to be upset because it's uncomfortable and, and it's difficult and it's hard. So then you cry out to the Lord, but it's not a real submitted prayer. And then you get mad at everyone around you, perhaps even your leaders. There's only one thing to do with fear and anxiety, and that's to repent. Otherwise, if you just say, well, I heard your message, Ed, and, and I'm just not going to be fearful anymore. That's not going to be possible. You, you want to learn, you got to repent from being controlled by fear and anxiety. And, and look to God and say, forgive me, God, for not trusting you with my life, for not trusting the people you put in my life to lead me and guide me, to help me understand how to follow you, 
Because unless you repent, you'll just keep going in the same pattern, same pattern, same pattern, until ultimately you hurt yourself. And you refuse. I mean, really, this is the problem. As they're complaining and murmuring against Moses, they're responding from the panic that they're feeling. And their eyes lifted up, they saw the Egyptians. And that's the way it is. When your eyes are lifted up and all you do is see your problems and difficulties, and all you do is see how, you know, how you would change it. It's, it's such a, we got, we, we cop such attitudes in life, you know? It's like, well, you know, if I was in charge, I would. Well, you're not in charge. So now you are put in a position to follow someone that is in charge. And that rubs us the wrong way. And we get upset with the people in charge. We get upset with God. And before you know it, we become a God unto ourselves. We get involved in idolatry. Instead of just trusting God, I look at this, I look at this difficulty with what we have been going through in the last year or so and how challenging it's been. But in some cases, you look at the church today and you think, man, doesn't anybody believe in the sovereignty of God anymore? That God is going to use difficult circumstances to purify his church, to change us and to move us and to prepare us for what's up ahead. And God has allowed difficult things into our lives. And I don't believe they're going to get less difficult. I don't, you know, you're kind of like, oh man, it's so good. We got through it. Let's get on with whatever's normal. Normal's gone. God's doing a new thing in your life. He wants to stir you up. He wants to bring you to a place from glory to glory and strength to strength. And how careful we need to be not to be upset with God, to be upset with our leaders. I have never seen the church at large, not so much our church, although it has come through, but I've never seen the church at large so divided and so upset with one another. Where our reputation in the community as a church, the church, has become just, oh, that's that angry group of people that are mad all the time. Where's the gospel? Where's the good news? Where is the offensive message that you are a sinner and you need the forgiveness of your sins that only comes through the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection? We get so caught up in other things. And could it be the root is fear? Fear of losing something? Fear of losing comfort? Fear of, of comfort and ease? Losing privilege? We haven't lost the Lord. We haven't lost his mercy and his grace. He's faithful to us. I'll tell you, this is the commitment that we've made as a church. We've made a commitment to keep your eyes on the Lord. And as we do that, there are challenges. There are difficulties. Notice the answer uh, in Exodus 14. Come back with me in verse 13. Here's Moses' answer to this complaint. He says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Well, let me paraphrase Moses' answer for you. Let me put it into some familiar words. Stand still, shut up, and see the work of God. I mean, that's really what he's saying. Be quiet. Don't stop murmuring, stop complaining. The more you talk, the less you can hear the voice of God. It's what we read in the psalm, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God. 
Because here's what happens in fear and anxiety. You know what happens? We try to control things. Some people become super frantic and they're going to control this and control this. Why? Well, because it gives you a sense of comfort. If you have some control in an uncontrolled situation, it gives you comfort. The problem is it's not real comfort at all because you're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in your own resources. So if I can handle this and I can take care of this, then I feel a little bit better. But you're really not going to the source of the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I was just reading this morning, the God of all comfort. True comfort comes from him, not from our little schemes, not from us trying to work things through and trying to fix this over here. He says, just stop, stop, quiet down and get your eyes back on the work that God is going to do for you today, today. God is at work today, that we are not stuck. He's basically telling them we're not in a trap, we're not stuck. And you could say, the text doesn't say this, but, but from the overview, the context, Moses doesn't even know what's going to happen yet. He's just speaking faith to a faithless people. Let me just say, those of you that have a lot of faith, we need you to speak to us with your faith. We need your faith. We need you to be more active, those of you that have faith. It's really unfortunate, you know, the faith movement. There's a segment of the church that has got really weird false teaching. It's known as the faith movement, the prosperity gospel. And it's too bad because the pendulum, people want to run so far away from that teaching that the pendulum swings where we don't even talk about faith anymore. Listen, faith is very important. Faith comes from God. God strengthens your faith. He encourages your faith. And when faith comes out from your life, you encourage us. And we need you men and women of faith. Now, we need you at the prayer meetings praying faith. We need you when we're singing. We don't want to sing. We need you to sing louder. We need you to be, we need your faith. We need your faith. Did I make that point? You guys hear it out on the radio. We need your faith. We really do. We need you to walk by faith. Because there are seasons in our lives when we are faithless. Right? The Bible says even if we are faithless, God remains faithful. But one of the ways we're reminded of the faithfulness of God is from guys like Moses that says, look, just stop it. Stop it. You're acting irrational. You're freaking out here. I know that there's even a good reason for them to be afraid. I know that. You know that. But your response to it, you're freaking out. You're acting like you don't have a God. You're acting like you don't have a God. And I see that in the church today, especially with this whole thing of the pandemic. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message today is aptly titled, Face Your Fears. And maybe that's exactly what you need to do today. Remember, you can hear this again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And Pastor Ed, anxiety and fear has been at such high levels in recent months. I think the message hit home for many of our listeners. Would you pray for that person who's really struggling in this area as we close? Father, I do pray for those wrestling with anxiety and fear and knowing, God, that it is uh, just a hard season. So many unknowns, so much emotion flowing, so many pains and heartaches, and they're just all adding up, God. I pray for mercy and favor. I pray, God, that they would receive the comfort that's theirs by faith in you. You are the God of all comfort. And you're ready to comfort them. And so I pray for them. I pray you to be an encouragement and strength. And God, even that some of the circumstances would be removed or solved, that you might get the glory for the great things you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah, you know, Larry, it's so hard and challenging, but our heart's with you. If you need help, you can call us at the church. Call us here to Bounding Grace. We'd love to pray with you uh, in person that way. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for praying, Pastor Ed. Depression. If you've not experienced it yourself, I'm sure you know of someone who has. And yes, even Christians struggle with depression. We want to share an excellent book on the subject called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness, written by Edward T. Welch. We'll gladly send you a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can now order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please also remember it is your financial support that helps us do what we do here at Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. You can make a secure donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Friend, come back tomorrow when we'll again face our fears and be encouraged to trust in the Lord. That's on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.